Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. So, Matt, I'm I'm all jacked up on uh, speaker drama, and I don't want to waste time with with our normal uh, useless chit chat. Uh, but I do want to point out that I, for my birthday, I did some used book tour shopping, and I got the Dan Quayle memoir, Standing Firm. And for those who are watching on YouTube, look at this sweater. <laughs> This this is the this is the attire that Dan Quayle chose for his insider recounting of being the vice president. This is some like bargain bin Bill Cosby knockoff 1980s sweater with 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 the collar shirt under. I just can't understand. So much I don't understand about Washington, Matt, including what happened this week, but. Uh, the, and it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Bill. That, that's a crew neck, right? What's Not that? a V-neck, a crew neck. Correct. Crew Which has now become very in vogue thanks to uh, Santos, I believe. He has, <laughs> he has made that look. Uh, well, apparently Santos was you know, following the, the quail trends. Quail well, I think Dan, trends quail, Dan Quayle is not, nothing if not a fashion icon. So, um, But the book is called what? Standing Firm, is that right? Standing Firm. And so it actually turned out to be pretty true if you if you look at what happened with his advising Mike Pence that he could not and should not uh, attempt to coup, uh, you know, the country and to to uh, basically throw out the electors. Well, some 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 coups work out better than others, apparently. Some do. Matt Gates uh, being maybe the first time ever successful at something. Yes. Not, <laughs> yeah. There's, Yes, uh, well, he does win. Does win office, and does as Matt Lewis would say, um, routinely makes bank in the attention economy. Yeah, the attention economy, definitely. Um, Bill, this is one of those weird things where, as an old, like an old married couple, we are growing together, and it's you and me versus the world. I feel <laughs> like we have both staked out a similar position on uh, this this coup against Kevin McCarthy. And I don't know if you've gotten, I don't know how your mentions are, um, but I have gotten lots of negative feedback on Twitter from people who, um, well, it basically goes like this, Bill. (laughs) My theory, and I think you agree, is that although Republicans are responsible for what happened, Kevin McCarthy is not a good person, but is um, was at least functional. He got some stuff done and uh, he was willing to cut deals to keep the government going. And 96 um, percent of Republicans supported Kevin McCarthy, um, but 100 percent of Democrats voted with Matt Gates to topple him. And I think that was a mistake. Um, and a lot of people disagree on the on the internet, but let me go to you and see if I have mischaracterized your position. No mischaracterization. I would I would say things a little bit differently. Um, uh, and I've also got tons of heat uh, on X, a little bit on Threads. Uh, very hard to find uh, allies for our. Some people are yelling at me like. You people in the media pushing this blame Democrats narrative. And I'm like, is there somebody else doing this besides myself? I haven't seen anybody else do it. Um, 
And it's not even about blame. Like I don't like like that, that whole frame. No, my, my like, piece, my piece literally begins. You cannot blame Democrats, and everybody on Twitter or X, as you say, is saying Matt Lewis is blaming Democrats. Like literally, I said you can't blame them right. for this, but I would have hoped that they would have. Um, that they would have stepped up and been the adults and done the right thing because we can't count on Republicans to See, do. I, I would, from my perspective, it's not to me a question of right or wrong. It's, this isn't a moral question. Uh, I saw, I think it was Philip Bump of the Washington Post, you know, and others have said this, you know, that Democrats don't have no obligation. It's not their responsibility to defend the institution. Like in my mind, it's not even about. I, I think it is. I think uh, it is. I mean. This was done through existing House rules. Like, there's something anti-institutional. You're, you're allowed to change speakers. That doesn't, like, upset the Constitution. That's, that, to me, is not the issue. From my perspective, the Democratic calculation should be what is good for Democrats. Is it good for Democrats to have McCarthy there, or is it good for Democrats to get some unknown Republican? Because it's not going to be a Democrat. It's not going to be Hakeem Jeffries. Uh is it worth trying to find out what's behind door number three? And my case was that you there's nothing Democrats need between now and election day or should reasonably expect between now and election day besides a Republican speaker who is willing to keep the government open and avoid a debt default. So McCarthy already did the right thing on debt default in a bipartisan way. Uh, and did the right thing on Saturday by keeping the government open. Uh, now, it's a stopgap bail. You don't know what's going to happen after that. But to my eye, the fact that he did it at all shows his hand. He is not willing to use shutdown as a tactic to advance whatever Republican and, and because of that. And that was the instigating reason they took him down, Bill. And Democrats supported that. Now, now I don't know if that you was, saw Matt. that is the spark. The fact that the fact that McCarthy, whom I've mocked numerous times, but <laughs> I'm going to get a little heated here. Sure. First of all, I don't think Democrats should be doing. I don't think it, the noblest calling for them is to do what's best for Democrats. I think they ought to do what's best for America. And I think avoiding defaults and shutdowns and chaos at this point in our history is pretty good for America. Well, that and, I, that I agree with. I, I yeah. hate to get you off on a good rant. Um, but I think what's good for America in this case is, I mean, it's already good for both parties. I mean, McConnell and McCarthy clearly took the view that debt default and shutdown is not good for us, Republicans. It's going to make us look like we're unserious and purposely burning everything down. And that's not good for us in the long haul. Yeah. I, I, now, other Republicans might think burn it all down, ruin the economy and blame Biden for it. Sure. And that might, the thing is, that could work. And, and it so, could happen. And, uh, the and next so it's speaker, the Democratic interest, the economy's in a good place right now. We're on the right trajectory. Let's not do anything to mess this up for yeah. 2024. And like a three-month shutdown could take a big chunk out of D GDP and screw Biden. So get it, keeping someone there, in my opinion, good for America, also good for Democrats. But go on, Matt. The ne and the next speaker, for all we know, could be the kind of person who pursues... Um, uh, a strategy to hurt Joe Biden, uh, damn, no matter what the consequences are. But I would make two points. Number one, 
this is not just a civil war in the Republican Party. I mean, Kevin McCarthy's sin, the reason this happened, the reason they took him down was that he kept the government open. And then Democrats can't say, well, this is this is not our radio. We're, we're staying out of it. No, staying out of it would be not voting. Staying out of it would be voting present. Democrats voted with Matt Gates against Kevin McCarthy. Their, their hands are not clean. They didn't stay. They didn't avoid a Republican internecine fight. They participated in the chaos. Now, here's here's a weird thing about that. Um, so there, there, there's a couple of sort of side, ele- maybe not side, but it's a couple of elements of the story that I find very fascinating. Uh, so you go back to 2015 when there was a threat to oust John Boehner as speaker with the motion to vacate. A motion to vacate was, was written up, but not formally introduced. Uh, and this was discussed a couple of years later in a profile of Boehner by Tim Alberta at Politico, where he talked to both Boehner and Pelosi. And Boehner had approached Pelosi with a plan to save him from a motion to vacate by Democrats voting present. And Pelosi told Boehner that she would do that. And as she explained to Tim Alberta, uh, you can't have 30 members of a caucus be able to depose a speaker. Uh, he knew I didn't have his back, but the institution's back, to your point about this being an institutional question. From Pelosi's vantage point, it was an institutional matter. It's, uh, it's, it destabilizes the institution to have a fringe faction take out a speaker. Uh, now, after I think I think it was I think it was shortly after Hakeem Jeffries issued his letter, his statement saying that they would vote to vacate. Um, this was uh, October third. This was Tuesday at one twelve p.m. So this is right before the vote. Pelosi has a post on X. The Speaker of the House is chosen by the majority party. In this Congress, it is the responsibility of House Republicans to choose a nominee and elect the Speaker on the floor. At this time, there is no justification for a departure from this tradition. The House will be in order. Now, when she posted that, after the Jeffrey statement, people interpreted it as she was backing up what Jeffries was saying. And, and, and maybe she was. I honestly don't know here, but I think reading this verbatim, reading the actual letter of this, argues for what you just said, to for the Democrats to not vote and have this be a decision amongst Republicans, which not hmm. only tracks with what she said about Boehner eight years ago, but, but McCarthy said that Pelosi told him previously that she would back him up on a motion to vacate. And that's Denny Hoyer said the same thing. And there was a time story about that today. And neither Pelosi or Hoyer uh, challenged what McCarthy said. So I am kind of confused. Yeah. Why? Well, I think I think I think Pelosi's statement uh, could have been interpreted in opposite ways. Uh, it was not as explicit as maybe it, it might have been. A, there's a cryptic nature to it, but everything yeah. else that Pelosi has said in the past and probably said to McCarthy suggests her view is this is not for Democrats to get involved with. Uh, and what I want to know, and I don't know, is did Pelosi ever have a conference? I mean, Jeffries is her handpicked successor. 
did Pelosi and Jeffries have any kind of conversation about this where Pelosi's told Jeffries, this is really not a good idea. And, and did Jeffries, did that happen? And Jeffries ignore it? Or did Pelosi just was not involved in any way? It seems like Biden did not get involved in any way. Um, but not only did Jeffries put out the statement, they had a meeting where audio was played of McCarthy trying to blame Democrats for, for wanting to have a shutdown, which made Democrats incensed. And if it wasn't if it wasn't preordained before that meeting, it seemed like got everyone all fired up to get rid of him after that meeting. So there was active attempt on the Democrats' part to, you know, de facto whip this. Yeah. And, it is, and by the way, they voted lockstep. Yeah. And I get it. Kevin McCarthy has launched an impeachment. Um, not an official impeachment. Right. And into into Joe Biden. Um, he, for reasons I don't understand, went on face the nation and blamed Democrats for well, something. I mean, that we should talk about that some more. That was, wasn't their fault. I don't fully understand. No, I get why. I do get that Kevin McCarthy, it wouldn't have been smart for him to announce, hey, guys, the Democrats are going to rescue me. Like that would not be a great way to uh, to keep his Republican friends uh, ranks, you know, in line. Um, but. But what I don't but what bothers me is that Democrats, I mean, I don't know what the number maybe if, if what but maybe 10 or if 10 or 15 Democrats had just voted present. I'm not good at math, Bill, but but I believe well, that it, would have it lowered was, the it was 216 to 10. So uh, if you had uh, if you had 210 no's, you would have had to get down to 210 yeses for it to be a tie. And so I think six Democrats voting present or not showing up would have accomplished that. Okay. There you go. Let's even say the number was 10. It bothers me that Democrats, even the so-called problem solvers caucus, that Democrats were 100% on board with this and and voted lockstep with their leadership. You could have given, you know, again, 96% of Republicans voted with McCarthy, 100% of Democrats. Like all you needed was a, a few people to defect and it would have saved McCarthy. Well, again, it it shows how deeply Democrats to a person you know, from the Democratic Socialists to the business-friendly moderates, uh, all mistrusted McCarthy, and so, so there was a so I, I had a little back and forth with a congressional aide named Aaron uh, Frischner, uh, who did not care for my take, uh, and then he posted his own separate thread. We didn't name me directly, but he was I think clearly clearly I was on his mind because we had an exchange before this, um, uh, and he explained democratic thinking from Saturday onward. Uh, and so he wrote, on Saturday morning, we had no idea what was happening. Scalise told the GOP they were moving bills that signaled imminent shutdown. This is what we expected. Then McCarthy suddenly and unexpectedly did an about face and announced a vote on a CR. We didn't know what to make of it. How to interpret this? McCarthy has resisted doing this all along. The wingnuts threatened to kick him out if he did it, and he was running every play at their call. 
My immediate read was he wanted and expected us to vote against the suspension so we would be blamed for the shutdown. I said this, and our members believed it. In fact, without naming names, I can say I heard it from multiple members yesterday. This is something posted yesterday, so two days ago, as they were weighing how to vote. And that was with hindsight about what had happened. Um, and then goes on to mention, you know, the face the nation thing. Mm-hmm. So so there's that's only part of what he had to say. There's more I could get into. Um, but, you know, I think it is possible that McCarthy's thinking was, I could do this and maybe Democrats will cause a shutdown, then I'll blame them. But if they pass it, then that's fine too. Either way, no matter how mischievous McCarthy was being, the important thing to, from my perspective is he was not willing to have Republicans use shutdown as an overt tactic to gain their policy desires, which were right. essentially and the, more cut. And, and the CR was a clean CR. I mean, if he wanted Democrats to vote against it, he could have put in some stuff that. Well, we're have... not. We're not. I mean, Ukraine was a little bit of an fu, you know. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, here, I mean, here's the here's the what ended up being his downfall. McCarthy was not back channeling with anybody. He wasn't winking and nodding, uh, and he probably felt he couldn't really do it. He he probably felt he had to show Republicans, hey, I'm still trying to fight our fight here, and this is just the best way I think I know how to do it. If he was being too chummy with Repub- with Democrats over it, yeah. that gives away that game. So this does it make him unprincipled, duplicitous, dishonest? Maybe, uh, but... I think the more important thing from the Democratic perspective is he wasn't going to shut down the government to, I mean, because Democrats are accusing McCarthy of reneging on the debt limit deal, reneging on the spending caps that are in that deal by pushing other appropriations bills with deeper cuts. Uh, And I think that's sort of jumping the gun to say he reneged because I'm sure McCarthy would like to get some more cuts, Um, but he wasn't saying, Democrats, you're going to accept more cuts or I'm shutting this government down. He said, I'm trying to get Republicans organized around an offer and then have further negotiation with Democrats. Now, that's annoying to reopen negotiations over what has been a settled deal. And Democrats have every right to say, screw you, McCarthy. We had a deal. We're not budging from it. Uh, and which I imagine was how this was going to eventually go, especially since McCarthy had just shown, I'm not going to shut down the government over this negotiation. Yeah. So well, I think Democrats short-circuited McCarthy's long-term play here because, because there was no communication, there was no trust, so while Matt Gates is saying McCarthy is a liar, he backtracked on our deal from January. That he was going to push for deep cuts. Democrats saying, you're a liar, McCarthy. You're backtracking on our deal for May with, with only milder cuts. And he's left uh, on island, you know, effectively yeah. by, by himself. I, I, I have a few thoughts. First, Kevin McCarthy's not a good guy. He has done a lot of bad things and I don't trust him either. Um, not the point. Um, secondly, uh, if you care about Ukraine funding and you care about Ukraine fending off Russia, I think you'd, the best bet would be to try to keep McCarthy in there 
as opposed to whoever else might. I mean, if Jim, I don't think Jim Jordan's going to become the speaker, but he's one of two people as we record this who are currently, uh, who are currently running. Um, if it's Jim Jordan, he's probably not going to be as favorable toward funding Ukraine as Kevin McCarthy. Um, and then lastly, the last point I would make, Bill, is that we do know that Kevin McCarthy was not willing to give Democrats concessions for their votes. We do know he was not willing or able to kind of publicly signal that he would like their support. What we don't know is what would have happened if Democrats had taken it upon themselves to create a governing bipartisan coalition. Like if they supported and rescued McCarthy, maybe that's a completely thankless gesture. Maybe they want to watch Republicans look well, stupid. But well, I think Democrats maybe, wanted that. I mean, Democrats say McCarthy should have come to us yeah. with a deal like that. And yeah. my response is McCarthy can't do that. McCarthy can't enter into an overt bipartisan arrangement with you because every Republican involved in that arrangement is getting is getting primary tomorrow. And that happens. It right has, now, it Bill, as, as you know, there's a civil war in the Republican Party. And right now it's taking place between bad people like Kevin McCarthy and utterly evil people <laughs> like Matt Gates. And what the Democrats did because they don't like Kevin McCarthy, they sided with the evil person, Matt Gates. Well, you, so and you, they, and I, you and I, Matt, see a difference of, of degree between yes. McCarthy and Gates, and the Democrats didn't. I mean, you know, John Fetterman said, oh, I have a piece up, up on uh, the Washington Monthly today about what comes next here. And I start with Fetterman's quote. Um, I, I, I should, you know, quote accurately since, you know, Fetterman, de Fetterman deserves <laughs> deserves a proper quote. Uh, uh, he said, "Replacing one dick with a different kind of dick isn't going to change anything in the in the House." I think that is the Democratic view. We actually, I, he actually, I'll then follow. I, I think you're right. One DNA test from the Jerry Springer show. Uh, I can believe see a, a failure to distinguish against someone who's bad and someone who's really, really super dangerous and evil. And by the way, it's not even just about McCarthy and Gates. If once in a while the normies won a battle, things could slowly start to get better. Democrats weighed in and empowered the radical revolutionaries, which is going to inspire more. I mean, I think some Democrats believe that the lesson from this is McCarthy should have been nicer to us, and therefore the next speaker should do things that way. And if they don't, well, again, there's no difference between these 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 dicks. And so nothing lost, nothing, nothing, nothing gained. Uh, I ha share your fear that, I mean, Mike Lawler had a quote in Business Insider because he was asked, would you do a deal for with Democrats on a new speaker? And he, he like blew his stack <laughs> that Democrats just screwed us, screwed Republicans. Uh, why would he ever do a bipartisan deal now? Uh, and, and there was really not a lot of evidence that like the Don Bacons, and the Mike Lawlers, the Biden district Republicans were ever going to break ranks with the vast Republicans in anything. They have every opportunity all last year. They didn't, they've never done it. They're, they're not that moderate. They're still pretty conservative. Um, so uh, I think the more likely outcome is a speaker who gets 218, give or take, depending on vacancies or absences or whatnot. Uh, 
that's a unified Democratic speaker. And honestly, I what I again, I, it's, it's too early for me to say like this is certainly going to happen. I mean, I assume whatever initial vote is taken is not going to be a consensus vote. You know, someone's going to get a hundred or this or eighty or that or whatever. Uh, but I would think the it's more likely to me that the more conservative candidate gets. Uh, it's more likely to me that the relative moderates will fall in line for a more conservative candidate in for in the sake of unity than for the Matt Gates types to fall in line behind a more establishment candidate. Because I, was- I, I just saw, I was watching CNN this morning and they had uh, these, I don't want to say moderates, but McCarthy allies on. Um, I mean, and these people are like, no one even knows who they are, right? I mean, there's 435 members of the House. Everybody sees Bobert and Green and Gates all the time, but there's like hundreds that we couldn't pick out of a lineup. And they had these two different Republicans on at different times who were outraged about what happened. And they were calling Gates all sorts. They were, they were, you know, they were throwing elbows Mm -hmm. at Gates. They were not happy with Democrats. And one of them, a Republican from South Dakota, who seemed very mild mannered, um, Dusty Johnson. Dusty Johnson. Mm-hmm. Good call, Bill. I said I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. You probably he, he heads the Main Street Caucus, I believe, one of the five families. <laughs> so Dusty, um, Dusty uh, was going off on Matt Gates, calling him all sorts of bad, unkind things, and um, and then uh, John Berman says to him, uh, so I'm guessing you'd be against Jim Jordan, right? You must think that he's, and, uh, and, and, and Dusty was like, well, hold on, hold on. Yeah. No, I think Jim Jordan's, uh, he has proven, proven to be a a nuanced, thoughtful legislator. And, and, uh, Berman was like, but he said this like six months ago. And Dusty was like, well, that was six months ago. He is, I think what we've seen is him really coming around and stepping up. So like, it could be Jim Justice. I, I, don't I, don't I, I can't say I, I know it'll be Jordan or I know it'll be this or that. But when I said I said Jim Justice, my the governor of West Virginia. <laughs> I meant Jim Jordan, but it could be Scalise, whatever. It could be others, people. But if it wouldn't, it would. I would find it more likely that a Jim Jordan type that Gates says, "I bless this pick. I have more faith in this pick." That the lawyers and the bacon would say, "Yeah, you know, Jordan's fine. I'll, I'll not my first choice, but I'll accept it." Uh, and does that automatically mean we don't get Ukraine funding? Does it automatically mean there's a government shutdown? I, I can't say that, but I certainly feel like the risks of those areas yeah. go go up, uh, especially because hey, if they don't change the motion to vacate rules, uh, that they know that not allowing a shutdown to occur and doing a bipartisan deal is going to get the Gates crew mad all over again. And so well, that, I, mean, no, I, I thought before that, that McCarthy was going to do a little bit of a shutdown just because he felt he had no other option. He had, he had to do it for a few days before he would go bipartisan. It yeah. turns out he didn't think it was worth doing one second of shutdown. Well, let me uh, give you let me give you some credit. Last week I said, oh, it looks like we're going to have a shutdown. It could be extended. And you're like, oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is going to last very long. Well, you were right. It lasted even. Ish. I was right-ish. <laughs> 
you were much more right than yeah. I was, and you were much more right than I think conventional wisdom was that a shutdown was going to happen and that it could go on for weeks, um, and and it didn't happen at all. So you were you were closer than I was. But look, Matt now Gates, those odds go up, and, and Matt, Matt Gates, Matt Gates calls Jim Jordan his mentor. Mm-hmm. Matt Gates nominated Jim Jordan for speaker back in January. So the question is, if Jim Jordan were to become the speaker, would he adopt a hardline approach or would he have more a longer leash? Would he have leeway because only Nixon can go to China and maybe he has a longer leash and he can get away with being more moderate? I don't know. I mean, I don't think whoever is speaker is going to rush for a bipartisan deal along the lines of the debt limit deal spending caps. You know, the, the impetus is going to be to fight even harder for deeper cuts. Uh, and uh, how, how a shutdown of any length is avoided, I honestly can't see it. Um, how long it could go on is even harder because you know, I don't think Democrats have any incentive to cave into them. I don't think Democrats should say, okay, let's go deeper cuts now. They have every reason to say, we had a deal. You voted for that deal. Jim Jordan voted for that deal. Steve Scalise voted for that deal. Um, And uh, just because you have an an eight-person faction of nihilists is not a reason for us to harm the country with draconian cuts. And you Uh, know what I'll say to Democrats? We had a speaker who was willing to cut deals. <laughs> all you had to do was have 10 people vote present. You all voted against them. Welcome to the NFL. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, it, it just really, I, I just, it, on some level, I imagine Democrats, one, think that there's nothing for them to save here, that this was a rotten deal regardless, and therefore all, all these bad things were were inevitable. And I would imagine on some level they don't they're not too terrified of that because they think Republican chaos, Republicans in disarray is a useful foil come election day. And like to a certain extent, that's true, insofar as it doesn't hurt actual Americans. And where my concern is that to to repeat myself, is GDP. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want Biden to be reelected. I want GDP to stay healthy. Uh, I feel we're on that track. And if we get off that track, like so that, that would be my north What do I have to do to keep GDP on track? Like that, everything, every political decision I would make would stem from that beginning point. And rolling the dice on a new speaker doesn't compute with that. If that's not your north star, if your north star is Republicans are all terrible and I can't expect anything good out of them. And the best I can do is to show the the country that we are more responsible and organized than they are. Then you let the chaos fly. And that seems to be where the House Democrats land. Well, this this reminds me of when Democrats will help elect a MAGA Republican, you know, like they'll meddle in primaries and they'll help support the worst Republican, the worst MAGA Republican, making sure he wins the nomination under the guise that it will be easier for them to defeat that Republican. That, that worked. I mean, you, you know me, Matt. I'm I'm not like Mr. Goody Two-Shoes all the time. No, I well, my point, Bill, when is... they were doing that, like, that was a perfectly legit 
political. No, I think life. you're wrong. It's it did no, it did work, and it does work sometimes. And one day it won't. And it, and and by the way, sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's playing with fire. Risk, but I thought Democrats did that selectively in races where it was very sure to work, and it did work. And I and I see nothing untoward about it. If Republicans. Oh. Can Republicans, I mean, they have the ultimate choice who their nominee is. If, if, if like some Democratic ad makes them vote for the crazy person, like that's on them. That's not on Democrats. And so I have no problem with that. Some uh, people if, like you just like to watch the world burn, Bill. If I thought not that gay reader McCarthy was good for Democrats, I would say so. My concern is that it is not good for Democrats. I, I think you're high. I think the higher calling should be what's good for America. Look, the Republican Party is like, I'm, I, this is not a good analogy. I, I need to think of a better analogy. But the the, the Republican Party is a, a, a broken alcoholic who's stumbling out of the bar. And, um, and Democrats just handed him the keys. Right. Instead of hiding the keys, throwing them away, calling the cops, they said, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy cut me off the other day in traffic. This guy was rude to me the other day. Here, buddy, here's the keys. Well, guess what the problem is? This person not only might crash his own car on the drive home, but he could run over some innocent people. So like, I'm not saying the Republican Party is good. They're the drunk in this analogy. <laughs> but somebody needs to be the adult and do the right thing. So I am holding Democrats to a higher standard here, and they did not rise to the occasion. Wait, I mean, I mean, I've I heard people say to me like Republicans wouldn't do the same for for Pelosi, and I'm like, so what? Like that, I'm not judging Democrats. <laughs> like the, my standard for Democrats is not what would Republicans do. Like that's not how I think Democrats should function. They should be better yes. than Republicans. Uh, but uh, I mean, the problem here just stems comes down to. Uh, not having, I mean, internalizing Twitter quality takes. You know, believing the caricature, uh, believing the worst uh, of your of the opposition at all times. Uh, and I, I, I didn't. It's not like I went in with McCarthy's speech where day one feeling good about it. Uh, like my immediate worry was precisely that he would be beholden to Matt Gates because of the motion to vacate uh, and lead us in a debt default and government shutdown. Uh, and so when he didn't do that, like, I, I take in data and then reassess you know, my analysis. Uh, and yeah. for the Democrats seem, House Democrats, a lot of Democrats seem very, very, very reluctant to get off of their initial narrative with new information. They're more inclined yeah. to try to come up with, with a convoluted explanation why the thing they expected to happen didn't happen so they don't have to get off of their more comfortable partisan narrative. Look, I mean, McCarthy's done a lot of bad things over the years, and there's no excuse for the way he resuscitated Donald Trump, going down to Mar-a-Lago and resuscitating Donald Trump after January 6th. Having said that, once he became speaker, and once we had this motion to vacate, which could be invoked by one member, I think then you have to sort of give him a little leeway. And here's another uh, tortured analogy, Bill. But, uh, you know, before we invaded Iraq, 
Saddam Hussein seemed a little bit um, unreliable. He didn't want to allow inspectors to come in. And I took that as like, this guy's obviously hiding something. He's obviously got chemical weapons. He's obviously hiding it. Why wouldn't he let us do it? Well, turns out he didn't want Iran to know that he didn't have them, right? So he was, yeah, he was acting weird. He was acting strange. And he wasn't, he wasn't putting his cards on the table the way I assumed he should. I mean, again, not a perfect, not a perfect analogy. I, I think it's, McCarthy's I, way worse than Saddam. Sure. You're not equating him with Hussein, but, but your point about people assuming the worst when there isn't good lines of communication, I think is very appropriate. I mean, I, that is a situation that, that, that we have here. And to some extent, you know, McCarthy has to own the fact that he wasn't willing to communicate what his, his real intentions were. Uh, but I also think Democrats are often poor political analysts. And there's a clearly a uh, an, an insular echo chamber that happens in Washington. Uh, honestly, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just riffing here. I don't know this for an absolute fact. I just, when you're in the minority, I think you're on your phone a lot. I, I, I think you are deep in the internet, you know, X threads, blue sky, mastodon bubble. Uh, and it's very easy to believe in the caricature and not put yourself in the other person's shoes and think about, okay, what other explanations could we have for how any Republican speaker has to navigate what is a very difficult conference to lead. Yeah. It is a it's tenuous, like, tiny... Like, yeah, Stalin, Trotsky, oh, they're both dicks. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, well, no, there's different... Maybe they're both bad, but there's different gradations of evil here. Um, yeah. Uh, Bill, I got to jump soon, but we... Uh, uh, so, so I mentioned there are two people running as of now for speaker. It's, it's Steve Scalise uh, and uh, Jim Jordan. Um, and, uh, more, more will I'm sure get in and people, different names are being bandied about. Uh, you have already said that you, you would err on the side of a more conservative member. Uh, who, um, I, who I think will win, not who I want, but who I think would, would win. Yes, yes. Yeah. And in terms, this is just prediction here, but, uh, before we jump, um, you want to get more specific? Any, any, any other? Uh, you, well, you were really good last week at your prediction about the shutdown. What do you, what do you got this week? Well, I'm not going to go. I think it's too soon. You don't even know the, all the names yet. I mean, I mean, either you're going to have you know a, essentially a two person race, and one person gets the early lead, and the other suck camp you know folds and gets behind the leader. Sometimes you get um, you know a, an impasse where no one can get a majority, and then you get the so-called dark horse come in and try to be the unity candidate uh, coming in late. So which of those dynamics happen, I think it's really too early to say. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a member of Congress. It could be- Yeah, Donald but we all know it's going to be. Uh, it, it could be Matt Lewis. It could, could be Bill Scher. Uh Anything, uh, before we jump, anything you want to plug? Well, anyway, so I sweat the Washington Monthly. I've been doing their email newsletter twice a week. I've now changed that to three times a week and- Posted on the new Washington Monthly Substack page, washingtonmonthly.substack.com, and also cross-posted to the washingtonmonthly.com website. So my initial McCarthy take uh, on Tuesday was 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 first posted there. Uh, I'll be doing a follow-up right after I get off with you to go up later this afternoon. Yeah, okay. sign up for that. I love that email newsletter, and now it looks very sharp on Substack. Um, 
Also, read my stuff, my piece, uh, my, my controversial piece about Kevin McCarthy at The Beast. I have one up about uh, Jim Jordan. Um, and I do want to encourage uh, the DMZ Army to uh, root this weekend for your Baltimore Orioles, who will be taking on the Texas Rangers this weekend, hopefully on our way to uh, the first World Series since 1983. Where, is this the wild card game? Is this the division? No, this is uh, the Orioles uh, won the American League Eastern Division. They're the only team left now because the Tampa Bay Rays were knocked out of the wild card. Okay. So I think this is the American League uh, division. I don't even know. ALDS maybe. Yeah. So, so the Orioles, if the Orioles beat the Rangers, they would go on to face, I don't know, let's say the Houston Astros possibly. Then they would, the next step would be the world series. And I'm predicting the, the Orioles and the Atlanta Braves in the world series. So. Very exciting. Uh, I also recommend everybody read uh, Dan Quayle standing firm uh, with a whole chapter uh, baked, mashed, and fried about the infamous uh, spelling bee potato incident. Yeah, that, that's you can't put that down. I think you got a raw deal, but that's just me. Um, Bill Share, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll see you back here in the DMZ next week. All right, take care.